Welcome to the Yeah We Know Podcast, part of the Morgino's Podcast Network. You're in the ring with Jimmy, Chris, Rod, and Williams is here for some reason. It's a little crossover pod today. Rod, what are you hot about? Well, listen, we're coming out of a premium live event in our precious WWE. Logan Paul's brother, Jake Paul, had a big boxing match this weekend. But the fight that has all of America buzzing are neither of those two. But it was the brawl at the dockside down in Alabama. The cruise ship captain versus the pontoon rapscallions. We have many, many things to talk about, including a couple of wrestling moves, Jimmy. So I thought, why not talk about the fight that has everybody buzzing at the top of this podcast where we talk about people fighting? I I love that. And the best part about this fight, and there's many best parts, but the best, best part is there are police watching this happen. Okay. It's, you know, devolving to a lot of bad stuff, but all of a sudden we have a chair shot to the head that would make Mick Foley and the rock say that went over the line too much. And the second that happens, a swarm of the police like, no, 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 no chair shots. We're going to arrest you right now. Williams was so sickened by that, that he just left. He didn't, he doesn't even want to stay on our, our program anymore. After seeing that chair shot rod, unbelievable. Definitely unbelievable. I have a particular favorite part of the video as well, but Chris, our guy, you're the old man. Come on, let's hear your old man take about this fight, and then we'll continue. You know, anything that doesn't get that doesn't get picked up by you. There's a lot of things that are that are negative in this story. A lot of negative aspects, but like I, I do want to. One thing that really, really warmed my my cockles, if you will, was <laughs> the tour boat getting together as a as a whole group, as a community, and and breaking out in song together. Ludicrous move, bitch! Get out the way. <laughs> the whole boat. It was glorious, magnificent. It's one of the most beautiful things I've seen in a long time. Oh, and Jimmy, you said that there was a chair shot that Mick Foley would have been proud of. Mick Foley's rock and sock connection buddy, Dwayne Johnson, the rock, would have been proud of the rock bottom that was passed out by the guy. Everybody's calling Scuba Gooding Jr., Michael B. Phelps, C. Murda. All the names go on and on. But the gentleman who jumped off the boat swam across the river to get into the fray and then delivered a real life rock bottom to somebody chef's kiss to that guy. I just, the choreography was great. Um, the, the fighting was great. Obviously we're making light of a bad situation here, but it's, uh, it's something that people are just trying to have fun and some idiots get together and then cause this ruckus. I, I, I like, I, we're using old man terms, big ruckus, uh, on, on the yeah, but you know why it's okay to laugh at this situation? Listen, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it. All right, it's okay yeah, to laugh at this situation because we've seen it too many times where this has happened, and the people that get punished aren't the white folks who caused the problem. And in this particular situation, everything's come out in the wash now, and three of the gentlemen in the pontoon that blocked the boat for forty 
five minutes. All three had prior warrants and are now under custody, and only 13 other people were charged with misdemeanors and released. And that is the way it should have been handled, and that is why it's okay to make somewhat light of this situation, even though it started under what were clearly race war situations. I gotta, I gotta ask you guys this, okay? Is this your old man what, take, Chris? Is this your old man question? I gotta know what you guys thought was better: the 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 Alabama boardwalk table ladders chairs match, or the Slim Jim SummerSlam Battle Royale? Yeah, <laughs> I will tell you. That that is a that is a transition. That uh, podcasting school is really paying off for you. Yes, yeah, so it was SummerSlam weekend, and let's just go to the biggest story of the entire weekend. Chad Gable is your number one contender for the Intercontinental Championship <laughs> after defeating Ciampa, Oh Ciampa, Riddle, and Ricochet in a really solid, fun, commercial-free matchup. Jimmy, you're beautiful. You're absolutely beautiful for leading with Chad Gable because it was one of the times where wrestling again reminded me that you can get enjoyment and entertainment out of a lot of different emotions. And I'll be damned if when Chad Gable won that match and he ran over and got Little Gable, who had the little wrestling singlet on and the headphones on, and he's holding up Little Gable and he's walking around the ring and people are cheering for him. I'm tearing up a little bit, man. I'm a dad. That was absolutely fabulous. Shout out to Chad Gable. It's so cool that he got to win in his hometown because there is a preview for this podcast that I still love to this day where I talk about how guys get squashed in their hometown and Chad Gable got to get a moment like that. Chris, Jimmy, you guys are dads. Come on. I know that moment got you too. Chris King, you know Vince McMahon had to have spinal surgery and has had had some uh, warrants issued for him. You know he was not involved in this whatsoever because if he was, Chad Gable would have gotten demolished in his hometown. Yeah, you would have seen Chad Gable just beat up if if Vince was was writing this storyline. That's for sure. It was it was good to see. I think as much work as he's put in, uh, Rod has called him the workhorse of raw for a long time. Like he deserves some recognition. Get him another title shot. The, the one little quick 10 minute match with him and Gunther was entertaining. I'm sure the next one will be too. Well, and they're, they're going to work well together uh, because they're both good in the ring. Uh, they can move very, very well. And Gable's going to get hit hard and it's going to be a fun matchup. Obviously Gunther's going to win. No question about it, but it's something a little bit different to move on. Um, when they typically do these uh, commercial-free first hours, there's usually a gimmick where there's something else going on and they don't want you to uh, to turn the channel. This one was really nice because they started off with the, the in-ring interview. You know, they have to do that. It's a law, I think, on Raw. But they gave us really long, solid, fun matches. This, this four-way was really, really good. Um, it was the best multi-person match of the weekend, uh, and we'll talk about that here moving forward. But... I really enjoyed that match to uh, to start things off. I think the important factor in this match is somebody who was just entered back into the fray a few weeks ago, and that's Tommaso Ciampa. Oh, Ciampa, yep. as I mistakenly called him when I first came on to this podcast because I didn't know, but he just he brings a different kind of vibe, right? Like he brings that he brings the kind of wrestling style that Shinsuke you're were told has. 
but he just can't quite Ooh. do it the same way anymore with the intensity that Ciampa can do it, right? Like Ciampa just brings an intensity and a style to the ring that just adds completely to a match like that, right? Then you get Riddle, who has a style similar to him, but looks a little more hard-hitting because he's a little bit bigger. Then you add Ricochet, who can just jump and flop all around him. And Chad Gable, you're right, Jimmy, that match was an absolute clinic. If somebody tuned in after SummerSlam, a week period in the sports calendar like you were talking about, when it was watching that first hour raw because there was no commercials to tune away from, they saw a great match. Ricochet is really good, and I was I was really hoping he would get a win uh, on SummerSlam. Obviously, you didn't. I didn't think really third dimensionally that Logan Paul loses all the time. I think Rod, you brought that up where he's got to get a win in there somewhere, and he did. Um, another thing that happened, well, a couple things on Raw, and we'll obviously get to SummerSlam as well. But it was kind of the weekend of L.A. Night, yeah. Where on Friday, yeah, a little botch, uh, but on he did br- bring it back and they did the same spot again and they hit it, which was nice. Uh, LA Knight gets the win at the uh, in the Battle Royal. Give people what they want, Chris King, and people will like your show. It's not hard, is it? Chris has been your mantra. I was happy for you when this happened. Yeah, no, I, they needed to give him something. They had to give him something. And, of course, it's the Slim Jim SummerSlam Battle Royale. Uh, but at least they gave him what, what we wanted as LA Knight fans. We we saw him compete. He's now in line to probably get the U.S. championship from theory, I would hope. We saw him in a new commercial. They brought back this branding marketing that was always successful with Slim Jim and the WWE and who better to take Macho Man's spot than L.A. Knight? Jimmy, can we do this in all battle royals moving forward where, like, you win the battle royal and you get, like, a promo deal, right? Because, like, these wrestlers Ooh, are well paid. Let's, yeah. not, let's not be wrong here, but, like, a financial incentive for our favorite wrestlers, that's something cool that I'd be in for. Let's have every battle royal. My, my idea for the Big John Stud battle royal trophy was definitely trumped by the Slim Jim, and then you get a commercial. And you get a nice what? What do you, what do you think they got for that? Hundred grand? Hundred fifty oh, grand? You know, easy. Something I'm like told that. there's going to be a second one. I think there's going to be another one at Survivor Series. Oh, that'll be nice. And then of course we get the L.A. Knight, who is a yeah, who is a SmackDown wrestler, is on Raw because it doesn't the matter. They showed him. I was laughing. Uh, like, the of course they showed him, knowing you were going crazy. Oh, uh, it was so great. I just love this. Who the hell cares? Um, he and the Miz. Yeah, I mean it's fine. I I don't think it was it was it was not LA Knight's best promo work that he's done. He he got a couple of flubs here and there, but um you know, it's interesting because they want you to know who LA Knight is by telling the story. Miz has his story, LA Knight has his story. It, it wasn't anything special for me. He's going to have to run through the Miz pretty quick. Um but I I didn't I I don't love it, but they got to do something with him. What I enjoyed about it, Jimmy, and the flubs, I I actually liked, right? As a broadcaster and as somebody who wants it to be perfect, I definitely was like, oh, man, I'm sure he wants that back. But being old enough to understand and knowing a little bit about his story, he had to just be absolutely freaking out, right? Like he's been on the oh. upswing recently, yes. But being able to come out there in the middle of the Raw after SummerSlam, that crowd, that hyped for him you've got that much time it's just you two alone in the ring with microphones you know i mean he had to be a little bit nervous and so he flubbed up a little bit but 
I, I think the Miz gimmick is perfect for him, all right? Because we'll say what we will about the Miz, and we've said a lot of things about him on this podcast. The guy still knows how to work a microphone, and the guy still knows how to work a match when he's actually really, really into it and buying in. So I think this is a good little diversion. We need to try to build his resume a little bit. Who better than the Miz? I think Chris King was one of those four people in the in the front row that started chanting for Miz. I thought that was pretty funny when LA Knights goes, oh, you got four of them. Um, and then they, they moved on from that. Uh, but yeah, Chris King and I both picked LA Knight yeah, to win that battle royal. Um, I was on to something with Chad Gable, well, though, darn Chad it. Chad Gable, so he was close. And Rod has a couple more coming up here as well. Uh, another thing that we we found out from, well, let's, let's start at SummerSlam and we can finish with Raw then. So Logan Paul and Ricochet. Um, I had to be early because Logan Paul had to fly directly to his brother's fight. Uh, wasn't the the classic that you thought it might be, but there were some amazing moves in there, and Logan Paul gets the win. I think that this was a pretty good, pretty good indication where they want El- Logan Paul to go, and Ricochet is going to be kind of their workhorse, doing all the good matches and, and losing a lot. I think Rod. Well, yeah, you're right. But, Jimmy, here's where we need your expertise here, all right? Here's where the folks who I know are joining us and coming back to wrestling a little bit and hear some things thrown out at them one times and just don't understand the matches. Explain to everybody how much work your guy Ricochet had to do there, all right? I'm not trying to take a shot at Logan Paul here, but Ricochet had to do so much what is called protecting in the business, no? Right? Like, explain how much Ricochet had to do to sort of make sure Logan Paul was protected throughout that match. Well, they had to practice this, and, and I'm sure they practice these moves a lot because if you notice, you know, the the timing it takes to hit these high-risk moves is more than I can describe quite literally. But then to have the reversal in midair to make sure that you're not going to hit the guy actually in the head, to make sure the guy's not going to land on his head, to make sure you're not going to land on your head, it's all timing, and it is – um, it is a dance. Um, you know, Ricochet and, and Will Ospreay, which I told you guys to watch um, a couple of weeks that. ago. that. That was cool. You're right about how it went a little too far, but the idea of it was awesome. And and that kind of shows it is a partnership in there, and you have to trust each other. And they are building trust. You know, they had that little, little mess up um, at the last pay-per-view, but they are building that trust up. So I think these two might actually have one more match in them. Not anytime soon, but down the line where they will blow the roof off the building, Chris King. Yeah, I, I see them having another match. And it may be it may be like you said, something different. Like maybe it'll be next year's battle royale where they end up meeting the ring and do something crazy like they did this past year, where they jump from opposite sides of the ring and sure. crash into each other or something. We will see more of them because they did put on a good show. Like it was a great match. And Chris, I, I want to go to you first for this next match that we're going to talk about. Shayna Baszler, Ronda Rousey in a not wrestling match, not MMA match, a hybrid match. <laughs> Did you buy this? What were your thoughts on it? Um, talk to me a little bit about what your overall view of this feud was. And if this is Ronda Rousey's last match in WWE, it was it memorable. Okay, so I, I do kind of think that it, it may be her last match in the WWE for at least a while. Good call. Um, I won't say forever. Um, if she does happen to come back, she can say, I never submitted. I, you, I passed out before I submitted. So you've never submitted me. She can use that storyline. Um, I will be completely honest with you and the listeners at home. Um, and our little SummerSlam thread that we had between all of us, uh, 
I mentioned it was a good time for a smoke break. So I went outside and smoked a cigarette and I came back in right before the match ended. So it was a decent match. (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. Thank you. That is incredible stuff. So Jimmy, they were in a rough spot. Listen, yeah. just, they were in a rough spot. All right. They were following yeah. a great match. They were ahead of a bunch of matches. Everybody really wanted to see. They were thrown into the card at the last minute because Trish Stratus's notice was busted. Or maybe it wasn't because there's some things going on with Becky Lynch and lemons that we may bring up when we talked to raw, but they were in a tough spot. And then, like you said, the hybrid match did it no favors. Shayna Baszler taking a knee to the face, did her no favors. So it just, it was sloppy and it just never was quite there. And, Ronda was better as an in-ring tactician than we ever gave her credit for, but she just was never charismatic and just never cared enough about the story work and the in-ring work, and it just it just was never there. Yeah, yeah I, I want to go back, and I think, I think one thing I'm going to have you guys watch is her debut match uh, at WrestleMania tag teaming uh, with Kurt Angle against Triple H and Stephanie when no one knew what to expect and then she did everything and was just amazing in the ring. Uh, this was very tough. Like you said, and I agree with everything you said there. They were also put in a tough spot because they didn't know what the rules were, or we didn't know. We didn't know what the rules were. I think um, there's some behind the scenes uh, where they fought for some things that weren't allowed. Um, you know, in an MMA fight, if you beat somebody down, the ref doesn't push you away and see if they're okay you beat them down until the ref stops the match in the WWE. That's not the case because the WWE is scripted and we need to build tension and all that. So I think this would have been better as a submission match only and not this hybrid of whatever they tried to do. And unfortunately it takes the win for Baszler down a little bit. Obviously we saw her against Stark and, and, and she won that one, but, I think they had an opportunity to do something a little bit bigger with Baszler. I know, Rod, you're not buying it at all, but we need to continue to build that women's division for Rhea Ripley because a badass Rhea and a badass Baszler might not be a bad matchup going uh, going forward. No, listen, what I did say to myself there, Jimmy, is I started to draw a line, right? Like I started saying, okay, I've got Rhea Ripley here, who's this character who is one of the most badass women we've ever seen, and this is SummerSlam. And she's doing essentially nothing, right? She's carrying yep. a belt and she's doing essentially nothing. And that's a problem. And why yes. is there? And why is that? And it's basically because she doesn't have anybody to go against. So yes. I will relent a little bit here, Jimmy. Okay. Because I try to project to the listeners that hopefully they listen to our good reasoning and maybe change some of their opinions. So I will do that here and say that I am on board with the Shayna Baszler, who is the ear of the WWE universe, right? Who is doing all of the things and saying all of the things about Ronda Rousey that we've been saying. I will say it's easy for her to do that about Ronda because of the fact that they're good friends and it's easy. Rod, you're right where Rhea Ripley, because I was thinking of this because we we had her as one of the top wrestlers last year, right? Or top female wrestlers. And I was thinking, can we put her as a top wrestler this year or is she more of a top character this year because she hasn't been wrestling as much? Love Rhea Ripley. We need to get her in the ring with some people, don't we, Chris King? Yeah. Like, listen, when I first came back and started watching, one of Rod's big problems was we weren't seeing her in the ring. I know she was coming back from an injury, but we didn't see her in the ring for a long time. Then we got her in the ring and saw what she could do, and now we want more, and they're not giving it to us because who is who's who's there 
for her to wrestle right now. Everybody else has been like anybody that could wrestle her is intertwined with Asuka now Io Sky. So there's really no one in her league ready to try to even challenge her. Like they can't even get a storyline going right. So with Rod being so happy, uh, I know you were a little upset and, and disappointed by the, what, I think 10 minutes that Gunther and McIntyre got. I told you they weren't going to get too much, bud. Uh, it was fine. It wasn't one of the best matches on the show. They were also in a tough spot. Gunther gets the win. I, were you done with your smoke break by the time this match happened? <laughs> yes. Yes, I was back. And in fact, I actually timed this. It was a total of just under 16 minutes, so not quite just 10, but... Definitely quicker than what I wanted. Um, I tell you what, nobody chops like Gunther does. And he can take them too. Like that was just like, they were just trying to chop each other down. And Gunther's chest looked just like bruised, meaty pulp by the time that match was over. It wasn't great, but it was a good one. Rod, we've talked about what do we do with Drew McIntyre now? I thought we might get a heel change, but that kind of happened on Raw with somebody else. Where do you think we're going with this? It's a very good question. I I want to just give a little bit of love to Gunther here. All right. I think it's kind of amazing in the world of glitz and glamour, in the world of more, in the world of where we talked about Logan Paul and what Ricochet do in the ring. The fact that Gunther is a main event attraction doing what he does is just a complete shout out to him. Every match Gunther is involved in, you have to say is a good match because I think it's physically impossible for that dude to not be involved in a good match. But I think clearly where we're going with Gunther is he's going to break the Honky Tonks Man record because it's just, frankly, it's just time. <laughs> I think it was Peter yeah. Rosenberg the other day or David Shoemaker, I can't remember, who was like, it's just so funny that we talk about the Workman Intercontinental Championship and you try to give it to a great athlete. And then you say that the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion of all time was the Honky Tonk Man. So it's probably high time that that go down. But as far as where Drew goes, I don't know. Because I thought a heel turn would have worked pretty well too. But as we've talked about before, Jim, it's hard to go heel when you first come back after a hiatus because everybody's excited yep. to see you when you first come back from a hiatus. So I don't know. I, I really do think we're going to see Drew and Riddle maybe do a little bit of tag team stuff because Riddle you know, shouted Drew's name out when he was going into that match. So that could possibly be where we're headed. In the uh, end to the trilogy, Cody Rhodes did beat Brock Lesnar hard-fought match. I think the big story, too, was at the end in what Triple H said was an unscripted moment. Lesnar and Do you buy that? No. I don't either. Not really. Um, but I do think that... that I, It's interesting that Rhodes and Lesnar... We, we've had so many different trilogies here. Rhodes and Lesnar split. Rhodes won the third one. We have Finn Balor losing three to Rollins. We had Rollins losing three to Rhodes. And they've all... They all have their unique storylines, and I really like that. I thought this was a, a good a good feud. It culminated, not something we thought was going to be like a bigger stipulation, but we saw where Cody Rhodes is going, we think, next, which is feuding with Judgment Day again. I don't know. Um, so we'll see where that goes there. I like the match. Rod, your thoughts on the match here? I, I thought the match was really, really good, right? I... I loved that we were essentially telling the story of Rocky and Mickey, right? And Michael Cole was essentially Mickey, right? He's just yelling at Cody Rhodes to stop the match at the beginning, right? So you're really setting up the, oh my God, he's going to topple the impossible beast. And then he topples him. And we could get into all day long about how the crossroads just doesn't quite do it for me. And 
about how Cody's Kamora lock. I'm not really sure that he had anything locked in at all, but we don't, we don't, we don't have to do that. Cody's completely over as a baby face. He's showing no signs of getting the kind of Cena pushback that WWE fans are famous for. So kudos to Cody Rhodes. Uh, I hear the American nightmare is a great documentary on Peacock. I've yet to check it out, but I'll, I'll be I need watching to watch that. that. Soon. I'll be watching that soon. So that was a great match. And, uh, Cody, stay away from Seth Rollins. That's really all I want to say. I don't think we have to worry too much about that right away. Chris King, talk to me a little bit about, speaking of Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor had a fun matchup. Yeah, no, you're right. It was fun. It was. It kept me on the edge of my seat. I knew some weird kind of stuff was going to go on. I was just surprised it kind of went that way. I didn't. I mean, that's that's good, though, right? It surprised me. So if they do an ending that you think is going to go one way and they surprise me, like, I didn't see a way for them to really be able to keep the Judgment Day together and Rollins still have the belt at the same time. And essentially, that's what happened. There's a little bit more animosity between Balor and Priest, but, like, not much right now yet. So I was surprised. It was a good match, and I love the stomp into the case. It was a great ending. Rod, your boy won. You were right. Good job. I, I'm just going to continue to say that I, all I was doing there was manifesting. I completely thought you guys were telling the story that needed to be told that he was going to lose the belt there. So I was completely excited to see that absolutely happen. And uh, Chris, I guess this is just another one of those lessons you're going to have to learn. Jimmy taught me this one. Nobody is better at spinning their wheels than the WWE. Sure, they find little ways to make you think that they're advancing the story, but they're actually not really advancing the story. And so they, they certainly did that there. The Judgment Day didn't break up, and Seth Rollins is still your champion, and it was an exciting match. So that was a that was WWE 101 right there. It was WWE 101. And again, terrific, terrific transition. I really hate WWE three-way three matches. Um, I always have and always will. Um, they're always clunky. You always have somebody who's hurt and on the outside for some time. I loved how ECW and back in the day, they weren't three. It wasn't a three-way match. It was a three-way dance, meaning that someone would get pinned. They would be eliminated and the two people finished at the very end. So I like that a lot. Um, the Bianca Belair, the Bianca Belair fall was just enough that it might've been real to start, which I thought was good because they weren't really focusing on it too much. But then when all the people came down that weren't doctors, it's like, okay, now it's fake. Um, that was fine. I thought the Oscar and flair back and forth was fine. Oscar's very quick guys. And I know I'm going a little cool here and I'm sorry, but Oscar's very fast in the ring. And sometimes she's too fast for other people, uh, more of Bianca than, than Charlotte in this case. Um, so the match kind of fell flat for me up until the very end where um, I do like the the mist. I like the fact that Asuka, if she's going to get pinned, got pinned. Um, she should not have gotten pinned, by the way. But we'll, but if she was going to get pinned, if she was going to lose, she should have gotten pinned. Uh, giving Bianca the win here was random, though, wasn't it? I'll stop talking now, Rod. I think giving Bianca the win here is a little bit of something that we talked about an awful lot in the context of Charlotte. I did not want Charlotte's 15th to come in that way. Correct. But I didn't have problem with Bianca's re resume. Excuse me. I don't know why I couldn't get that word out there being bolstered now. Right. So they have to add one more time champion to every time they introduce Bianca Belair. And she doesn't actually have to have the belt on because EO Sky 
came in at the end and cashed in the money in the bank briefcase, which I was not the least bit surprised in. I called that, said that was happening. I want to give love to, and shocker here, everybody, Charlotte Flair. All right, Charlotte Flair was the glue that held that match together. You said it, Jimmy. She's quick enough to keep up with Asuka, and she can do the hard-hitting moves with Bianca Belair. Shout out to Bianca Belair getting the Bret Hart spot here, right? I don't know how many times I saw a Bret Hart matchup back in the day where he's like, no, I'm fine. Don't tell me I'm out of this match. And he'd probably prove to you how awesome it was to come back in. And so shout out to Bianca, who I was given a lot of smoke to a few months back. And now I'm soliloquying here and Chris can have his chance here in a second. But Bianca's still resonating with me. She's still resonating with the crowd. And I thought she might be getting a little stale too. So I think everybody was served pretty well in this match. Chris yeah, King. you're you're not wrong, Rod. I think you're right. If you're a fan of Bianca, yes, she won the match, and then she got, you know, beat up by the case, and and he was kind of took it over. I mean, and you're not wrong about Charlotte either. She did perform excellent in this match. I thought. Um, I did also think that they were going to cash in this uh, money in the bank. I thought they were going to give it to Charlotte though, so I was wrong on that. It was a fun match. I'm I'm a big fan of Asuka. I'm glad she got to hold on to the belt for a while. She should be able to get another shot at it against EO Sky. Hopefully, um I could I don't know how long EO Sky will hold on to it though. I'd like to see her hang on to it for a little while. I'm just concerned that the uh Judgment Day uh with Dakota Kai coming back as well actually was was pretty cool just to kind of celebrate them as a team in the year um anniversary here, but I um I really enjoyed the uh, high risk maneuvers they did to break up those pins and things like that. I thought that was really nice, but um, yeah, I overall, I, I was a little flat on that match, um, but EO sky, let's go. I new blood is, is fantastic in that. Now she has three contenders right away. So that'll be good. She and Asuka can yell at each other in uh, Japanese. And by the way, I hear that Kyrie is coming back. Kyrie Sane's coming back as well. So that's another I heard that. wonderful in-ring performer coming back. So that'll be wonderful. Shout Not going to lie, Wait, real quick, Jamie, before we move yep. on in an overall here, just shout out to the women's division. All right. We rode it pretty hard for a couple of weeks on this podcast. And I believe other than Rhea Ripley, which we already talked about, we have definitely gotten to somewhere with the ladies on SmackDown. All right. There are any number of stories they could tell right now with four people that seem like pretty big deals. And that's cool for the ladies. Do do we think, or maybe this is just me, but I almost think that they need to make this second belt more of a women's intercontinental type belt where maybe it's not for the heavyweights like Rhea, Charlotte, Bianca, Becky Lynch uh, to be fighting for, but like your EO Skies, your, 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 for lack of a better term, your smaller women to be able to compete for a belt because I'm sorry, I'm not going to ever believe in a match where EO sky is going to be able to beat somebody like Rhea Ripley. Really? Interesting. Um, so you don't really believe that Ray Mysterio could be the world champion. You don't really believe that LA Knight could be the world champion. Well, I think LA Knight is, is a much different type of, uh, of an animal and Ray Mysterio is also probably, I mean, listen, do I think that Rey Mysterio could ever really beat Kevin Nash? Probably not, but he did. So you're not just a misogynist. You're against little people as well. That's what we like to hear. Uh, We we had... (laughs) 
Okay. We had uh, the fifth culmination of the bloodline where we had Jey Uso and Roman Reigns and not going to lie, I fell asleep before the match ended. That had more to do with the fact that I was also at the softball fields for 12 hours that day. Um, You've got to get away from the softball fields, Jimmy. They're like the Oh, we're done for now, you. which is good. Oh, it's ridiculous. Um, I hated the ending until I watched the interview between or the in-ring promo between Roman and Jay last week where Roman said everything that was going to happen. And I thought that was fantastic storytelling. So I'm okay with it now, Rod. Well, Jimmy, I did, I did a little bit of homework here, right? Because I always try to do that to expand my ability to become the best wrestling podcasters for the listener out there. And this essentially was a trilogy as well, right? Roman V yeah. Jay and a solo yeah. match, right? This is essentially a trilogy as well. And our boy, Jimmy, right. Has basically factored in, to the ending and screwed Jay every single time, right? The first two, not overtly the way he did this time, but he basically had no choice at this point other than to overtly screw him. Right. And so you're exactly right, Jim. If you go back and see Roman never does anything by accident. All right. The guy knows exactly what to do with every time he comes in the ring and cuts a promo, because frankly, that's all he has to do anymore. He doesn't have to wrestle that many matches. So he better be darn good at his character work and just talking on the microphone and every look that he makes, every subtle move, it all tells something. And the Bloodline storyline continues to pay off. But I agree with you, Jimmy. The ending, I think you didn't like because it seemed a bit sped up. Everything else has been moving almost at an inch by inch pace. And this all of a sudden seems sped up out of nowhere. So now we have three against one. Um, we have Jimmy and Jay fighting and solo will cause Jay to lose a few times. It's just, we're getting in that. I think people were also upset that Roman just won again because of interference. And this is the second time, you know, so that's how solo came in. He, he was in a mask and took it off. Uh, Chris King, your thoughts on the, uh, the ending and where we're going from here. Yeah. I mean, I, it's now to the point where I'm going to be surprised that there is a, bloodline match that ends legitimately i have yet to see it happen i mean maybe you could say the j jimmy versus solo and roman match ended cleanly but you never see anything go the way you kind of want it to and it's, it's to that point like it's not it's not surprising anymore. So the fact that there's interference is expected. So give us something that we're not expecting. Jimmy, the beads, the family, the tradition, the tribal council, right? All of this stuff. They've been Did the elders know. That's Sorry. what I mean. They've been staying so true to all of this, right? How much are we to pay into the fact that they told us one of the stipulations of a tribal match like that is no interference. And then we clearly did have interference. Do you think we might get a Rikishi? We might get one of the Samoans. We might even get a rock. Do you think we might have a storyline where the elders show up and they essentially are the support for Jay? Because what you said right now, it does seem as if it's three against one. If they can move well enough um, and and get to the different arenas, yeah, they can. They can be out there for for a day or two. Um, man, I just hope this isn't setting up Rock and Roman for Mania because you don't want that. You don't want that. You want Roman to lose the belt to somebody at Mania. 
and he wouldn't lose it to The Rock, I don't think. No, definitely. And I don't think we should be thinking that we're going to see a Rock fight anybody. That's not what I was. Correct. Yeah, no, no. But, but even coming out and talking about yeah, it would be the elders good. Just yeah, coming yeah. Out and like, you know, somebody to try to, you know, be on top of Roman and be like, look, son, you know, like, yeah, OK, you think you're running this here because, you know, you're you're a mob boss here and you're bending all the rules. But you called this one tribal warfare. This was for the, you know, the family and you still sullied it with interference. You know, I mean, I just wonder if maybe that's where we're going. Could be. Uh, I'd be happy with that. Two things here before we head out. Nakamura turned on Rollins, so that looks like we're going to have That's that feud moving forward. That's why I was breaking forward. on Shinsuke earlier for you listeners out there, right? If you caught that, this subtle out-of-nowhere Shinsuke dig because he's against my boy now, so he's he's on my – he's out. He's out. No more Shinsuke love from me. Yikes. Uh, and then we have some bad news. It's been a really good positive podcast. Sonya Deville, man, it sucks. Torn ACL, out forever. Chelsea Green can't ever catch a break either. She's either hurt or her partner gets hurt. Start Starting to get over. You just, you feel horrible for the... Because, listen, people are going to say it's fake, it's scripted, and all that stuff. This is their career. You want to do the best you can in your career. You want to succeed in your career. And they have caught on to something that was starting to work. Unfortunately more things are thrown in their way and they have to come back from this again. So, you know, shout out to Sonia. Always been a fan of hers. Um, just never caught that break. Chelsea Green, shout out to her. She caught uh, numerous breaks in her life in a lot of ways, but uh, she certainly hasn't caught a lot of breaks in her life as far as the uh, wrestling goes. So we'll see if she'll be able to make it any as a female star. That was sad to uh, see. And uh, Jimmy, are we going to talk any about Becky Lynch here real quick before we go out? Yeah, I, I meant three things, not two things. Uh, so I, I think what Becky is doing right now is, I don't know, you know, I don't know Becky Lynch, you know, right? But she is not being put in any major feud that's, that's going to help continue her her ascent back to the man Becky Lynch, okay? This Trish Stratus thing, it's going to get over in Canada. Hopefully she gets the win. Hopefully there's not an interference or anything like that. But she's making lemons out of lemonade on Instagram, just saying that, hey, I got nothing to do right now. I'm doing the best I can with it. She is somebody who could also be built up for Rhea Ripley. Rhea's got people to wrestle. We just need to build them back up. And Becky Lynch hasn't been in that situation yet. It's just, it is what it is. But Triple H also said people should be making lemonade out of the lemons if they think that's what they're being served up, right? So, Jimmy, I'm asking yeah. you, how much are we to think that there's a little more animosity going on with Becky Lynch and uh, and the folks at the top than uh, than just uh, story-wise? Uh, I mean, animosity is a, a, a big word that I don't know the definition of. No. Um, I, I, you know, there's truth in, in jokes, and I think that's the, the case. She's like, yeah, I've got nothing. I'm going to I'm gonna do this. It's going to be funny. Maybe it makes her feel better. Give Triple H a laugh as well. I don't think there's anything rooted in this in, in evil, if you will. Yeah, and I mean, I suppose it doesn't hurt that, like, you know, the uh, other member of her household is certainly being served very, very well by the WWE right now. You know what I mean? So she's probably not trying to make too many waves. Correct. Correct. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Yeah We Know podcast, part of the More You Knows podcast network. You're in the ring with Jimmy, Chris, and Rod. That's right. SummerSlam. We uh, are winding down a little bit, but no, we are not. We are winding up on this podcast. Jimmy and I are going to be performing at the top of our game because we will once again be live at a WWE event coming up October 7th. So the countdown is on to Rod 
and Jimmy live at Gamebridge Fieldhouse to where I will be able to raise my arms in exultation. And if this podcast was video, you would see me right now striking the pose. And then I could sing my song. Oh, oh, can not wait. Let's go. Goodbye, Net. Yeah. <laughs>